Thanks for tuning in. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vercherot, and we're so glad to have with us today Phil McKinney. He's the pastor of Believer's Church out in Grand Ledge and really at the corner, I think, of M100 and Grand River. But Phil, it's nice to hear your voice again. It's been a while. Greetings, Vic. Yeah, it's great to be back with you. I appreciate the invite, the opportunity to talk leadership with you. Well, and the reason why we just love it when we have time with you, Phil, is uh, Pastor is uh, certainly your life's work and some amazing background that's led you in that direction. But uh, people would really be remiss if they kind of put you in a one-dimensional kettle of being just a pastor. Not that that's not anything noble, but clearly the big issue for you is you're a leadership coach, you're an entrepreneur, and you're also an author of a very successful book. So you're kind of a busy guy, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I really appreciate how you said that. One of the concerns I have when being introduced as pastor is there's a temptation to put someone with that title in a box yeah. and make them one-dimensional. So I very much appreciate that you brought that out because my passion is leadership. My passion is the marketplace. I have a passion for leadership, and I think principles of leadership are across the board. They either work for everybody or they don't work for anybody. Mm, so, that's really yeah, well said. For me, it just, I love having conversations about growth, development, whether that be committed to holistic growth, meaning it's not just our spiritual development, it's our mental and, you know, cognitive development, it's our physical development. All of these things are part of conversations that touch every field of work or every gender or every age group. Yeah. And Phil, you have such a well-educated and refined way of putting these things. But, you know, years ago, I used to say, look, if it isn't right at home, it can't be right at work. And there's a lot of other elements of that. It's kind of a friend of mine described it as a wagon wheel that you can't have one side of that wagon uh, spoke that's just flat. It has to be well-balanced all the way around. And so there's just so many different things that can make or break a person's holistic approach to world. And when you're coaching people in the secular world, if you will, trying to get the most out of them from performance and everything else, you've got to look at all of those things, don't you? Absolutely. Because whether we like it or not, how we do anything is how we do everything. And so we try to compartmentalize, but the truth is they all touch. Yeah. And if we look at our lives like a bar chart and we've got one area that we're excelling in, it seems to be more of our, you know, an easier space. We want to focus people's attention on those areas because we feel good about that. Where the other areas, maybe they're a little bit lower on the chart, but they are affecting you said if it doesn't work at home, it's not going to work in the office. I think it's more of a challenge to focus on the areas to bringing us up collectively than it is just to lean on the one area that maybe that we seem to excel in and we want to redirect our own attention just because it, yeah. it, it feels good, right? We like to focus on the things that are easier, doing great. Well, you know, well, I think you bring up something really important there. I don't want to go past that because I think one of our biggest issues is that sometimes when we're struggling in a certain aspect of our life, so something's broken. Maybe it's our relationship at home. Maybe it's the way things are going at work. Maybe it's an absence of having a spiritual divinity that leading with a higher power. Whatever it is, maybe it's health and physical. But what happens happens is we tend to focus on that. And what we may not realize is that that might be emanating from other issues that are around us, right? So I guess the best example of that would be we're struggling at work and so we're putting in more hours. Well, now all of a sudden, now we're struggling at home because our family doesn't see us and we're not even actively and emotionally there for people at home, right? So the generating the entire comprehensive approach is really what, kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? It is. Yeah, absolutely. And probably the most 
common example that you just gave, especially for leaders. I mean, we're driven. We want to develop. We want to grow. We want to be successful. And if we're not careful, uh, we may sacrifice very important pieces of our lives on the altar of success. Yeah, very good. And boy, what a price we pay. You know, um, back when I was in the insurance business, one of the things that we said is that ultimately you'll pay a price for success or for failure. Either one, you're going to pay a price. Meaning that if you don't commit yourself and really do a great job to be absolutely the best you can be, there will be a cost of failure. Then when you get to uh, success on the other side, you're going to pay the price because you put in the effort, uh, you've developed yourself, and you've done the necessary things uh, to stretch. So really, Phil, that's what I'm so excited to talk to you about. You are such a gem here in the mid-Michigan area, and I think you offer an extreme amount to people that have an opportunity or maybe an interest in trying to be better than what they are currently. So, Phil, you took time out from your busy schedule. I am grateful you're here, here on the Leadership Lowdown. Grateful you took time to tune in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back. rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and you found the Michigan Business Network. And I'm so grateful that we had a chance here to talk to Phil McKinney. He is the pastor of an organization called uh, Believer's Church. It's out in Grand Ledge, Michigan, which is the central part of the state. And of course, uh, Phil is a successful leadership coach, entrepreneur, and author. And today we get to have him. I'm so excited that you're here, Phil. But you know, in our last segment, man, that was worth the price of admission right there. But I got to ask, how does a guy like you with a beautiful family and a lot going on in your world, what was the interest? What was the inspiration? And how did leadership become such a big part of your life? Yeah, great question. Thank you. So as you've said, I'm a pastor, but the journey starts as a in my teenage years, and it was the influence of a youth minister that demonstrated to me leadership that looked more like sacrifice than uh, dictatorship. Huh. And so leading up to that, my image, and maybe some people are going to share the same experience, that leaders are more than just a person who... Uh, barks orders or gives directions, or a leader is more than someone who just holds a title or a position, but a leader is someone who influences. And I began to be influenced by strong, sacrificial leadership. And I saw the benefit of what that looked like to impact people for the good of them, not just the good of the leader or the person who you know, had the ideas or wisdom. 
And so that was the seed sown as a teenager. And uh, I didn't know it at that time, but I had some qualities of leadership. I just had misguided efforts. And so that got me into more trouble <laughs> than helping. Indiscretions of youth is what we like to call that. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. So with time and some maturity and more exposure to other great leaders, I've embarked on this journey of ministry. And that ultimately has led me to today where I have the privilege to help inspire or to encourage, and most importantly, to model what it looks like to be a servant leader. Well, look, you just really, man, I feel every time you talk, I just start writing notes and just thinking about all the things that we have time. So I guess we're going to have to make this a 17-part show to fit it all in. (laughs) But you know, Phil, here's what I have observed, and I'm sure you have too. You've seen those people that have arrived in a leadership position, and by golly, they got the title. And so right there on their business card, it says they're the manager, they're the boss, or whatever it is. And so they go around trying to prove it. Matter of fact, I had a good friend of mine that spent some time saying that a boss that I know and everything else uh, says, he says the day hasn't gone by when he hasn't walked into his office and reminded him that he is the one in charge. And I always consider that an epic fail if you have to pull out the I'm the boss card, right? Because you Uh, you said influencer, and Phil, I just want to, if you could speak to the difference between title and an influencer, I think that's powerful for a lot of people trying to find their way in the leadership role. I agree. Along that lines, if you have to say you're the one in charge, it's a pretty quick indicator that you're not the one in charge. That's right. And I think the difference between uh, the two is really the motive of the heart or the intention of what we're doing. A leader who needs to be in charge is usually, and this is kind of a, a broad brushstroke, But in my experience, that declaration that everyone, that demonstrativeness where he or she has to declare who they are is usually rooted in insecurity. So it's more about them, what they get out of it. And so then they see people as resources only. And so they're looking at how people on their team or people doing their employment can feed the gap in them, whereas a secure leader, an influencer – recognizes that what they can inspire, you know, the word inspire actually is a breakdown of into, in, and then spire is breathe. So to breathe into someone else means I'm giving something of myself to them so that they have something of substance. That's awesome. So it's leadership development then is so important because you can't give what you don't have. Right. And so us staying healthy, us approaching holistic approach to who we are enables us to continue to inspire or to impart or to give to others with the motive or goal or hope of bringing the best out of them so that they can become all that they are intended to be, or I might say, as God intended or designed them to be. Yeah, you just said it again, which is bringing the most out of them. And I think it was Harry Truman that says, you know, you can accomplish almost anything if you don't care who gets a credit. And I think what's important in a leadership role is that if it goes really well, there isn't a single ounce of that that you should direct it yourself. You should give that credit to all the people around you and do amazing things in terms of lifting them up and having them own that moment of success. And then when you have, when it doesn't go so well, you own it. You own it. There was nobody else accountable. I'm the one in charge. I'm accountable to that failure. We'll do better next time. Uh, that kind of thing. And that's the kind of stuff that leaders are made of. And man, you just have so much for us to take note of today. We're so glad you're with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown, and thanks for listening to the Michigan Business Network. Today I have with me Phil McKinney. He is the pastor, and of course he's a leadership coach, entrepreneur, author, does it all, and right now he's doing a great job of helping us understand his world. And you know, Phil, I know that part of what you did along the way is God put a bit of a dream in your heart to have a church, and you had kind of a quite a path. How many years have you had the Believer's Church going? So January, we celebrated our 10th anniversary, and uh, I'm the founding pastor, and you're right. It's a dream. It's still a dream. Uh, It's still a passion and still something I'm excited to be a part of. I can't believe it's 10 years, so it's got to feel like a blink to you too, right? I mean, you went through so much, but 10 years, oh my. Yeah, it's a strange uh, dichotomy because, like you said, in one respect— it feels like a blink, and then I look at pictures and how little my kids were. It feels like a <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. But I've learned a lot in the first 10 years. And if you look at the research, a startup business and a startup church, they follow almost the exact percentages of the fallout rate or success rate. And how many startup businesses or startup churches close within the first five years? And less than 20% make them first 10 years. Wow. So I recognize, you and I had talked, 10 years in the grand scheme of you know generational building, it's not that much. But for us, it's been a lot of foundation. And for me, as the leader, I once heard Les Brown say, any organization, the size of it or the impact is a direct reflection of its leader. Mm. And I paused and meditated on that thought because if you're not careful and you don't feel like your organization, whether it be a business or a church as big or impactful as you would like it to be, you could really get into a self-doubt or you know condemning moment. But instead, by the grace of God, I paused and recognized that if I want to have a bigger impact and have a, in my case, you know, serve our community better, then I really need to be committed personally to growing and as a better leader. Wow, look what you just did there. I mean, honestly, you've got so many things and I've known people that get so bent, whether it's business and want to know the number of widgets they got running down the assembly line and what we've sold and what all the numbers look like. But look what you just did. You turned it inward and said, if we're going to grow, I have to grow if I understand that right. That's powerful, Phil. I think that's a gift that people can take away from this whole thing is uh, we want to grow. So the first thing we should do is get rid of the we and start on the me, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's part of the coaching process, talking with other business owners or entrepreneurs. 
that, you know, we don't go into something that we're not excited about. We don't launch a business or create something that didn't birth from us. So in the beginning and in the early stages, we are just loaded with zeal and excitement. And if you would have asked me five years ago or 10 years ago, what growth looked like, I probably would have just told you it's more people. I would have said, you know, let's just pack them all in. Let's just expand as much as we possibly can. And it's because and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think whether you're a business owner or you're a pastor, there's nothing wrong with growth. But that's what we're trying to do. But I recognize a, a philosophy and really a timeless truth that you can find in Scripture that Jesus said that he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And the reward isn't just much. The reward is more responsibility. Wow. And I read that text so many times, but one morning when I saw the reward was responsibility, it occurred to me that there's more than just having more zeros at the end of the month. There's more <laughs> than just having more bodies in your auditorium on the weekend. Growth means responsibility. And so these moments that we're in, whether we're in our first year of a startup or we're in our 25th year, whatever that might be, in order to go one more year, one more decade, this resistance that we're working through, like working out at the gym, is building that muscle so we can carry more responsibility. Wow, that's really incredible. And Phil, I love what happened there. Where my mind was spinning as you were unwinding that whole bit of genius there, one of the things that comes to mind is know where you're headed and understand what the definition of that growth is. So you need to define growth, and that includes defining it for your organization, for your people, for yourself. What does that all look like? And so when people start thinking about the targets and the way that they want to move forward and the success they want to have, they have to be really start with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey would say, and begin by understanding what those targets are and what those definitions are. So, wow, Phil, this is just such good chicken soup for the soul here to <laughs> quote another author. But thanks so much for being with us today. And thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vercero. We'll be right back. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. You found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found Phil McKinney. He's the pastor of Believer's Church 
and of course a leadership coach, entrepreneur, and author. And we're so glad that the Michigan Business Network could have Phil here with us today. Phil, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about that I think is so powerful is your book. And I think the title is No Ego, if I've got that right. And that book, No Ego, it immediately snaps my head because I can tell you, I watch various leaders all my life and some of the biggest challenges that I run into is not a healthy ego, but an ego that dominates their world and oftentimes walks themselves right into trouble. Now, is that kind of where the book goes or back me up and give me kind of the overview of what that book accomplishes? Yeah, so the title is No Ego. The subtitle is Ditch Your Ego, Find Your Dream. And what I began to unpack within the book, the Cliff Notes version of it, is that there are two sides to ego. The arrogant side that we probably all, our knee-jerk response is, is we can think of somebody who's full of themselves. They're very demonstrative. They're the person who really isn't listening. They're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can yeah. talk again. Yeah. They're formulating um, the next sentence, right? Instead right. of listening, yeah. Yeah, and usually someone doesn't come to mind instantly that you think of, we might be the person. Who's that? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> cute. So, but, um, that's painful because, you know, those of us that were sitting here wondering who that is. Oh, that's funny. Right? <laughs> it got me. And if we're honest, we've all been that person yeah, at some point. Yeah. But the other side that I began to realize about myself and really probably the majority of the listening audience, there might be segments of our lives. There might be moments where we're full of ourselves and we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. But there's another side that I think probably captures us, maybe the majority of us. It's this idea of humility that I outline in my book is oftentimes a false humility. Mm. So I'm a pastor, I'm a person of faith. And so my aim in my personal journey and as a teacher of scripture it's important for me to articulate to others what God says about someone. And if you believe what you feel about you above what God says about you, that's not humility. That's actually a form of pride because you believe yourself more than what God says about you. Wow. And so I think each one of us, regardless if the person listening to the show has a religious background or not, each one of us probably would recognize that we have gifts within us. And I believe those gifts are divinely given. And a gift is a purpose. It's what we do to either meet the need of something or someone. So I want people to celebrate the gift that's within them because it's not something that you chose. You didn't go to the gift store and decide, (laughs) I'm going to pick this gifting. That would be a gift, right? Yeah, (laughs) that would be a purchase. (laughs) A gift is given. All you can do is receive it. And next level would be to acknowledge it. Mm. Open it up. You can't go to school to get your gift. You can only go to school to refine your gift, to Mm. develop your gift. And so personal growth develops that. We become better at influencing the better that we become more acquainted with our gifting, more in tune with our gifting, or more mature in our knowledge and background of it. And so I would like to encourage, you know, each person that true humility is saying or agreeing with divinity and saying that this is a gift that is uniquely mine. And it's not just for me. It's for meeting the needs of something or someone, whether that's a marketplace venue or a ministry venue or, you know, at home, leading your home, being an influence as a spouse or as a parent. I think that's really powerful, Phil, when you think about what you just shared there is 
years ago, I'm showing my age here, but we used to say, God don't make junk, right? And so (laughs) the whole point is that every one of us, I don't care who you are, you've got some organic things that are going on inside of you that are absolute gifts that need to be realized and need to be developed to absolutely be the best you can be and for all that you were intended to be, frankly. And so when I think about that, that's one of the things I look at and I wonder, we've always said around here that the mother of all learning is self-discovery and self-awareness. And that's so powerful. And that's really what you're talking about, isn't it? Is being aware of what your gifts are and then looking for ways that you can apply them. Absolutely. In my family tree, my family line, my children, I've got two of them that are incredibly musically inclined. Yeah. For me, I got a pretty mean hand clap, but that's the extent (laughs) of my musical ability. Yeah. We can look across the marketplace. We can look at people within our community and we can look at their gift. And if we truly come to a place of security that my gift is mine, your gift is yours, Yours doesn't make you better than me, and mine doesn't make you better than you. I can celebrate what you're doing. And so when we have employees or if we're leading a church, looking at people as value instead of a threat or instead of an insecure leader, looking at somebody who can do something really well as if it's going to somehow diminish your ability. There's where you're ditching the ego, right? I mean, setting that ego aside and making room for all of us to succeed. And wow, Phil, you're doing that in such great ways here today on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Looking for office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing and save. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office outlet has a huge selection of new and used office furniture from brand name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Save 50 to 90% on used seating, desks, files, and more. The office outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versura right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We have taken and cornered Phil McKinney, a wonderful leadership coach, entrepreneur, and an author. And right now we're talking about his work in the book that he's written, which is a wonderful book about no ego. And of course, it's about what leaders should be doing. And in the book, Phil, I think you mentioned dreamers versus visionaries. Can you tell us your thoughts on the differences between the two? Yeah. So... I suggest the difference between a dreamer and a visionary is I'll pull the curtain back on something that kind of irritates me. Dreamers irritate me, and I'll tell you why. When someone has an idea, they're inspired. They might have a product or they feel an unction within to go serve a community in some way. 
I'm on the edge of my seat because I love seeing that. But all I'm looking for is what's your first step? Like, what are you doing about it? How are we putting traction, rubber to ground on this? Yeah. And I think sometimes we can uh, fool ourselves in hanging out into that space that I call dreamer, where we're always living in the future. We're always saying, I will win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like that lottery moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to do these things when I get the winning ticket or yeah. like, two young people get married. Well, we're waiting to have children until we can afford it. <laughs> That's <laughs> where my brain went. I figured, yeah, well, tell me when that is. It's <laughs> That's <crazy>. right, exactly. <laughs> And it's a safer place to live out there because you're not forced to deal with what you need to do right now. Yeah. And a visionary, at least in my mind, is a person who you said, I think you quoted Covey, that starts with the end in mind and then reverse engineers it. So I want to know if there are 10 steps, 20 steps, 50 steps to get to the full picture, what is the first step I need to do today in order to to get moving towards that, what do I execute on? And I think what I've discovered in practice, for sure in theory, but in practice, people want to go where you're going, not where you're saying. They want to go where you're going, so you can't talk about something and then have your actions demonstrate a different direction. Is that what you said? Exactly right. Got it, okay. So words are great. I mean, we communication is probably one of the biggest parts, arguably the biggest part of leadership. But words have to be fortifying or backing up what you're already doing. Yeah. One of my eight core values, personal core values, is that I'm willing to start small but believe big. Mm. And we all have to start small. We had to start doing it poorly in order to get better at doing it. (laughs) Well, boy, let me unpack that for a second, because I think when you say we got to be willing to do it poorly for a little bit, what I'm hearing is that we've got to be willing to fail a little bit, right? So we don't start out, you know, you just built a brand new building and have wonderful numbers and lots of great things going on with the Believer's Church. But when I look at that, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, there was, I'm sure, some false starts, some, some different stumbles along the way. And I think that's what you're you're saying is that, look, to have a vision, it doesn't mean you go straight there. You get on the journey and get moving, right? Absolutely. When I was uh, in middle school age, we used to try to cut through this woods and there was a creek. And the goal was to jump from one stone to the next and you didn't want to get wet. Oh, dear. <laughs> but what I discovered is you don't, every step to get across that creek wasn't in front. It wasn't like taking that next step forward. Oh. Sometimes you had to take a side step to get to a different stone in order to get forward again. Yeah. Well, where my brain went was on your way to school, tragically ending up at the bottom of that creek, uh, all wet <laughs> right, with muddy right. clothes. And I'm sure that's probably happened too. But I think that's really what I see is that people that have really have extraordinary uh, successes in the world, I think they've been able to persevere some extraordinary failures along the way. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I absolutely. I think the key to success in leadership is our pain threshold. Mm. Because you're exactly right. The only way to avoid failing at something is by not trying. My teenage sons and I attempt to go to the gym most mornings. And we look at failure and an exercise as something that we try to do. <laughs> because we know it's making us stronger. Yeah, yeah. When we start unpacking all of this, look, there's so many things that kind of present themselves on our journey. And one of them, you know, I love that your book, 
addresses the ego issue because people with massive egos and, and people that have challenges in terms of dealing with their own ego, oftentimes they're not willing to make a mistake. They're not willing to have a failure because uh, that would make them look bad and their ego can't handle that. And so when I think about the way that that all unpacks, trying to get things done, having the right vision, wow, there's just so much there. And I'm just sad that we don't have more times, but uh, we're going to run to one last break here and uh, take a moment here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm glad you tuned in. We'll be right back. Hi, George Blaha here, and let's talk business. Business meetings, that is. There are two types, everyday meetings and moving your business forward meetings. If you're thinking forward, think treetops. Whether it's a high-level meeting, employee training, or deepening client relationships, Treetops is your place to do business. They have many meeting spaces, great food, and the comfort of their newly renovated rooms. So if you're looking for a place to move your business forward, call Treetops at 888-TREETOPS or visit treetops.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero, and thank you for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. And thank you, Phil McKinney, for joining us today. He's a busy man. He's a pastor, a leadership coach, entrepreneur, and author. And we got him today here. And so it's so good to have so many great thoughts coming out of you. And, and what goes on uh, while you are all on commercial break, we keep talking. And so one of the things that I want to share with you is something that Phil said when we were off to break. So, Phil, what was that Zig Ziglar quote? It may not be exact, but one time while listening to a presentation of Zig, he said, if you are willing to help enough people get what they want or need, you will get what you want or need as a byproduct or a fruit. Yeah. And, you know, I had the blessing, you know, to work in the marketplace. And I was currently at that time when I heard that statement, I was working for a company in Lansing called Neogen Corporation. And I had a team of skilled trades individuals that worked on my team. And I began to realize the more... I invested in them, the more that we celebrated their wins, the more that we helped bring a better opportunity for their livelihood, the better my career path was going Mm. as a byproduct. And so I wanted to share that to encourage those that are in mid-level management positions listening to the show today or those that are owners that maybe they're concerned if I invest in my staff, my employee, my team, what if they leave me? And I don't know who originally said it, but the quote kind of goes along the lines of, well, what if they stay and you don't invest in them? <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, people just don't oftentimes, they say silly things that if you really step back and did you hear what I just said, you probably would go, oh my word, that, that's pretty deep. You know, it's interesting that you say what you're talking about in terms of people helping others get what they want. I've been in sales management early on in my career, and that was such an intriguing experience for me because sometimes you as a sales manager or as a leader in an organization want success 
for that individual that you're coaching more than they want it. And I don't know if you've run into that or would validate that, but I sometimes feel that you're pouring into them and they're like, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. I I like it right where I'm at. I don't want anything to change. Have you run into that from time to time? Yes. In fact, if we're not careful, no matter what field we're in, if we're in leadership, we can run ourselves ragged. And I found myself as a pastor, you know, really wanting for others to grow and change or experience a level of freedom more than they wanted to. Yes, yes. And one of my mentors helped me with this. He said, if your effort in helping them exceeds their effort in helping them, that is your permission to back off. Yeah. (laughs) Pastor, there's a four-letter word that we talk about. It's called next, which means (laughs) ultimately, you know, you can't save them all. And it's the old starfish story, remember, of the boy playing on the beach and he's throwing starfish back in. The old man says, what are you doing? Well, I'm saving these starfish. There's thousands of them on the beach. You can't possibly make a difference, son. And the kid throws one back and he says, I made a difference to that one. And that really is the world that we have to, as leaders, and as pastors and as managers and CEOs or whatever it is, we've got to understand we can make an extraordinary, life-changing, amazing, God-gifted moment in somebody's life, but it's only if they want to and God allows it. That's the way it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's truly magic and it's something to celebrate, but it doesn't happen with everybody, does it? No, it doesn't. And, you know, there is some difference when we're talking about an employee versus someone who attends your church. And if you have a heart for people, which most business owners do, they're not just employees that become part of your family. It can be a difficult decision on whether or not next looks like we're okay with them staying in this spot or if next looks like perhaps you should find another place that <laughs> yeah. suits you. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're almost out of time, Phil. Uh, I just can't believe how quick our time together has gone here today. But let me ask you this. Uh, if somebody is looking uh, to get a hold of uh, No Ego Book, tell me, how do they get that done? Yeah, thank you. So you can find our book on Amazon, or you can visit our website, which is noegocc, noegocc.com. There's all of the contact info to reach me. There's the access to ordering the book, and we'd be glad to get that out to anyone who places their order. That's awesome. And Phil, you also do some leadership coaching. Is that uh, something that somebody could call you on or email or somehow reach out to you for? Yeah, that would be uh, phil at noegocc.com. I believe everybody has blind spots. If you didn't have one, it wouldn't be a blind spot. And a coach is there not to do it better than you, but to help us see our blind spots so that we can break through to the next level. Yeah. Well, Phil, look, you are a special gem to Michigan, and we are grateful for you. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Vic. I appreciate what you do. Yeah, well, and we appreciate you, appreciate uh, all the listeners out there that are listening and tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. I'm so glad to talk to you. Can't wait to talk to you next time.